Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where supermodifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3 of the Inside Groove Supermodified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker, and I am excited to be back for a third season. We're going to consider this Season 3. The first season was a little short. We didn't start till uh, I think, a few months into the year. But uh, last year we did a full year, and this year uh, starting again in January, though uh, for the next probably month or so, um, not going to be doing weekly episodes, going to try to do a couple each month for the next month or two, um, because I am in the midst of working on two major projects that will completely elevate everything that I'm doing, including these shows, and, and part of, I will say that part of what I can tell you is that the the goal here is to be able to incorporate video back into my uh, media again. Right now, we're radio-focused or podcast, audio podcast-focused in the case of this show. Um, working on some things that will hopefully um, put me in the best position to have a nice space with a really cool set, as they call it, um, to be able to do video content from. And so then what that would do is it would help me to take everything that we do, uh, with the possible exception of our Thursday night Motorsports Madness show, which is a worldwide syndicated radio show. We're on over 40 platforms on that show now and uh, averaging about 1.3, 1.4 million listeners a week. I can't believe I get to say that. Um, but that show is kind of tailor-made for radio. And because it's on the American Forces Network, they have a specific what we would call clock that we have to follow for each of our segment lengths and such. Um, and so because of that fact, that show would be a bear to try and do as recorded video. And uh, so I think what what probably will happen is that one at least will be the last to convert to video first, video-centric. In other words, we record video and then just rip the audio Um Right now, we're primarily audio. I want to be primarily video. We've got the chance to do some additional video content for other folks, and we want to be able to do that. And so um, I have a lot going on right now. There's a lot of uh, things that are in the planning stages, um, and they've both kind of evolved since late December when they started um, going down the road and, and kind of got started. They both evolved in a slightly different direction than I was expecting, which is great. But um, I'm just going to ask all of you to bear with me for a little bit. I wanted these, this show and my modified podcast are the two, my two favorite shows that I do for obvious reasons. But they're also the two shows that for me, I, I can kind of be a little bit flexible with, at least for now, because we're not racing either division yet. And um, 
I need I just need the time that the the other three shows that I'm currently doing are you know basically the the main shows in terms of um, keeping the the lights on and, and uh, all of that. So um, if you'll all just bear with me for a bit, the I think that when all of this is said and done, um, we'll be able to do some really cool things with video and. I think we can elevate this show and my goal because I really miss interacting with with you guys and and I I'm trying to create as many ways as possible to do that and one of the ways is I want to get these shows back to where um they they won't necessarily be live video but we'll still be able to interact and do some cool things around them and I also like the idea of being able to um you know to do some video live streams as kind of promotions for the for the shows um and have some special theme shows like that and and all of that so um patience please uh i promise this will really get get more clear as we get into uh kind of march april time uh is is when i think a lot of this is going to going to be um about done if not done completely so uh, I'll let you guys in as soon as I can. I just want to I want to be 100% sure everything is going to be what I say it's going to be and um I have to hold it close to the vest for now, but this this is hopefully going to be a fun year. And I'm counting on the fact that we're all going to have a full season of racing, all the tracks, all the series, everybody, everything's going to be great. So, uh that is the faith that I am holding right now. Um so I I look forward to another season. I want to thank uh as I said, I want to thank uh, all the sponsors, IPC Indie, IndiePerformanceComposites.com, Jeff West and his group, um, Sean and his staff at Skips Fish Fry, and Rich uh, with JNS Paving for continuing to support the show. And today's show is going to be a really fun show. We've got Paul Coloca. I had the chance to sit down with Paul Coloca. Um, if you don't know Paul, how is that possible? Uh, but uh, if you don't know Paul, he has... Uh, built a number of really badass race cars uh, over the years. But Paul has a really fascinating background in his work with some folks that I didn't realize he had. Um, He got started at a young age and so had a chance to sit down and talk with him um, about uh, past, present, and future, basically. And I think you'll be real uh, interested to hear his story for those of you who don't know it. And I'm looking forward to that. So uh, that interview will be coming up in our next segment. And then um, in the last segment, we'll talk about the infamous number 67. There's only one name that came to mind when I thought about the show number this week. We'll get to that in the last segment. And one of the things I want to start doing on every episode of this show is I want to start leaving you with something to think about and so that's at least that's what i'm i'm gonna call it for now um we we might also call it the hot topic um and it's just i want to be able to leave you with something that you all can debate in the comments and kind of contribute to sort of like i've been trying to do with um you know the show number and and how many drivers of this number do you remember uh, but I want to I want to do something and just kind of leave you something to that hopefully will spur some conversation here because I know we all love talking about supers um, and I will say that today's topic actually kind of started 
the 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 sort of genesis of it was um in, in, from modifieds and I'll explain that later but uh you know we all love those too right because they've been as big a part of Oswego's history over the last uh, 40 50 years as the supers I I feel like in a lot of ways anyway so um lots to come here and again thanks for uh, continuing to listen and support and and please share and by the way, again, for those of you who might be new, there are multiple ways to listen to this show. If you are on Facebook, we have this show as its own Facebook page. Just go to Inside Groove Podcast on Facebook. That's what you search, Inside Groove Podcast. And then just give us a, a like. And um, And then also, if you want to, uh, this show, we have an RSS feed. We're on, gosh, I don't even know. I think we're up to about 19 or 20 podcast platforms now. Um, so if you get, if you have like Spotify or Apple or Google or, you know, somewhere where you get music or you get other podcasts, just search Race Chaser Radio. Race Chaser Radio. And uh, you can hit the follow button and that will, and then turn on the subscription. That will help you to um, turn on the notifications there. That way you'll be notified anytime a new show goes up. Um, and so, uh, again, a number of different ways to, to listen to it, if you'd like, uh, whichever works the best. Or uh, my current website, racechasermedia.com or racechaseronline.com. Both will get you to the same site. Um, and we have a shows page on that website that uh, has a playlist for every single show that we do so you can always get the latest show and then the archived shows as well okay we're going to step aside when we come back we'll be joined by paul coloca as inside groove show number 67 season three continues right after this is your job sucking the life out of you wake up you can do something else information technology I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses, because it's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove. And uh, again, the first show of 2021. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention Cam in my opening segment. That wasn't on purpose. Uh, Camden is uh, Camden is getting ready to head back to Norway soon. So uh, I talked to him about coming on this particular show, and he really didn't have anything to add. So he said, "Just fire it up and go, and uh, I'll catch you uh, once things start uh, happening again." But uh, we definitely want to uh, wish Cam. Uh, I know. Um, I think it's uh, another week or two. Maybe he's uh, he's heading back. So. Um, we, uh, hope that he had a great new year and is, uh, ready to go back, uh, and spend some more time with, uh, the girlfriend over there in Norway. If any of you have not seen the pictures that he has shared over the time this past year that he's been in Norway, it is a beautiful country. And, uh, frankly, I'm kind of jealous that he gets to go spend time there because, uh, it, it really seems like it would be, uh, a little slice of paradise in a lot of ways, especially, uh, given all the, um, situation that we've dealt with in 2020 but anyway so cam will uh cam will be back soon on the program okay we have paul coloca with us now on 
the uh, hotline and uh, looking forward to this because um, I met Paul uh, the first year that Joe Hawksby Jr. started racing. Um, Paul and I both were a part of the team, and um, that was the first that I'd ever met Paul. So happy to have you on, Paul. I think this is the first for us doing radio (laughs) together. Um, Yeah, definitely. Tell me about your background. Take me back to your childhood or whatever. How did you... What got you interested in the races and kind of how did all that go down? First, I'd like to say thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, uh, it all started when I was like 13 years old-ish, right? Give or take a little bit. Um, oh, okay. My father brought me to the racetrack, and, and that was in the late 80s, and I got uh, a taste of the methanol or smell of the methanol <laughs> and the smell of the brakes and tires, and that was it right there. I mean, that was a definite hook, line, and sinker. Love the speed. Love the, love the beautiful music that comes from these engines. And uh, absolutely fell in love with racing at that point. Um, always been a, a nut for mechanical things. So just one of those, you know, this was it for me, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so you were about th- – did you, did you develop a favorite driver before you – kind of started getting involved or no oh definitely actually uh joe gozik was always my childhood hero um you're not alone you know, i i loved watch joe joe and eddie b and and uh bentley warren go at it weekly and you know they just uh they put on a hell of a show all the time you know and then you got pat abel who came in you know and took the world by storm there in the early sure 90s but man i'll tell you and same with doug didero those guys it, there was some outstanding racing and innovation and everything that has gone on from those guys. I mean, if you look at the talent that we had at that point in time, yeah, I don't think that there was a better time for more talent overall. You know what I mean? A lot of, a lot of really, really hard racing. And it was all about who got their, their setup right. You know, at that point, nobody built um, cars for just a living you know, or I should say, um, very few anyway, you know what I mean? So it was kind of one of those things that you run with your brung, you know, it was an awesome time to be able to grow up and watch our form of racing. Yeah. I feel like it was kind of starting to trend toward the end of that period. And and you're right. I mean, it was, I always think the seventies were the most diverse period because you still had all the innovation um, you know, the rear engines, the side engines, the sprint cars, the uprights and, you know, old Indy cars. And, you know, you had a lot of different, um, and unique cars. I think by, by the late eighties, we'd kind of gotten, um, you know, the blueprint was kind of, was kind of there, but, um, but the driving, the, the competition on the track was still just as good. And you, like you said, right. you had Joe and Bentley and, and, uh, Doug Havron was, was back running again. Yep. Um, and, yeah, Eugene Lee Gibson and Gary Albritton and and gosh, I mean the list goes on and on and on. Didero, yeah. it was incredible, I guess, really. I guess when I talk about the the innovation as it was starting, you know, um, not to say that the, the obviously the late seventies and early eighties wasn't the the most radical changes to the yeah. cars, but it was the starting to get to be more refined. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the cars yeah. were a little bit more close in right in size design and in things of that nature. But yet you had still had four bar cars. You had um, cantilever cars like, like Bentley always drove the 61 junior. You yeah. Know, if you think back to that, that was, 
that was a pretty radical car, you know, that, that was built. It was. And, and I loved that car. It was, I was, um, actually wasn't a huge Bentley, Bentley fan. Um, because Bentley was from far away and I just like the hometown hero goes, gotcha. you know? Okay. Makes sense. But, um, but later on in my career, as I got going with Ray Graham, um, you know, I got to meet Bentley personally, had him at the shop and he raced for us for, it's just a weekend deal, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I, I really, really enjoyed my time with him. Um, you know, he was so much fun, just a blast to be around, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, you look back on all those times and you go, man, I always rooted for Joe, but I've gotten to know so many of these guys so personally, you know, like Eddie B, you know, yep. Eddie Bellinger, I'm good friends with Brandon and, and, uh, Jared and, and, um, Trevor, you know, and I've gotten to know Eddie and Phyllis quite, quite well too, over the, the last few years that, um, Brandon's been running and, right. you know, cause he runs one of our cars and tell you what, just, there's so many wonderful families out there that I've had nothing but an absolute joy to spend time with, you know, Yeah, and grow up around. Now, who was the, was, was Joey the first uh, car that you actually worked on? No, actually it's mine. I started out, um, I was uh, 12 or 13 in the stands. And by the time I was 14, um, my mother had started working at Speedway Press. Oh, so, my mom, uh, working there, I got to know George Caruso Jr. Okay. Um, so uh, as I was growing up, um, you know, I took to going in the pits and stuff. Well, because mom worked there, I, I was able to get in the pit. Being a little young, it was okay. I had the blessing from the track. And, um, you know, thanks to, to George and Doug Caruso and Romy Caruso for all those years, I was able to you know, start learning about all these things. Yeah. But my, actually, my first car I ever worked on was Buddy Deal's Yellow 57. Oh, wow, the old Ed Thompson Davis, car, I think. Davis Brothers meet uh, Buddy Deal car, yeah. Wow. That was my first car I ever worked on. He was a really nice guy. Yeah, Buddy's a good, Buddy was a good guy. Yeah, yeah, I really, uh, I always enjoyed talking to him. And there were, you know, there were so many of those guys, and I was thinking about it, over the holidays a little bit, um, just trying to think back to some of the more, uh, I don't want to say forgotten, but the ones that you just didn't, and there were two that I thought about. Buddy was one of them, and then um, there was a guy in the um, in the limited class named Bob Rundell, who was oh, yeah, I remember who he was. just a super nice guy, and, you know, and then, of course, uh, we, we, we lost uh, Jack Carr, over the yep. holidays as well, and I wanted, um, having just said that, I want to take a minute and, and just send our deepest uh, heartfelt prayers and condolences to Jack Jr. and the family, um, because Jack was another one that, you know, those three guys, Buddy and, and Bob and, and Jack, were, were three guys that I looked forward to talking to every week at the track when they were there, just because they were great people. So that's yeah. cool that you got yeah. to work with um with buddy with buddy yeah. yeah yeah he was a you know it was a short-lived deal um i was there for a uh, year and a half or so okay and, um then i moved on um i worked with ralph mclaughlin when bobby smith was driving for him for ah. about a summer you know i was young so 
you know, for me to get back and forth to the shops and stuff was a lot, right? You know? So it made it hard at that point. But once I got to be a little bit older and had my driver's license and, you know, I got some serious experience learning how to weld and fabricate at BOCES, because that's what I did is I went to Oswego County BOCES and learned under Ralph Gravel. And, okay. Um, you know, Ralph was a, an outstanding teacher. He let me go at my own pace and I was able to just run with it. You know, I learned what I wanted to learn. I did a an absolute ton of side projects for uh, Mike Noto. Oh, wow. Everybody knows Mike, you know. Mike was always in the automotive, you know, but he was always working on race car stuff. So there was always something aluminum that needed to be welded, like a head or an intake or God only knows what, you know, oil tanks and whatever, you know. And then we had people like Steve Miller who came in and he would drop off some stuff and they're like, oh, we want him to do it. We know him, so we want him to do it. So I got a whole lot of that stuff over those the next few years wow tremendous tremendous experience you know yeah um just man the more rod you put in the more the better you get i'm not saying i'm great i'm just saying i've got a lot of experience sure yeah over the over the years so um but um and after i worked for ralph and bobby i uh kind of got hooked up with uh was hanging out around westies a little bit and Joey Moriarty um, was there at that time, and he was actually getting ready to build a super with Jeff West. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Yeah, I remember that car. Beautiful, yeah. mm-hmm. sure beautiful, do. beautiful piece. Yeah. Um, they had their Hyder Hawk that they yep. that they got from Ed Hyder out in um, California, and. They ran that on the Isma show, but Joey really wanted to do some running at Oswego. And somehow, some way, um, Joey really wanted me to be a part of his team. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of new to me, you know. Here these people are. These are nationally known people. And, you know, Joey and Joe and Donna were just absolutely wonderful people, too. And uh, that's where I got really introduced with the Isma circuit, you know. Okay. Uh, My 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 favorite has always been wing racing and always will be you know i love the fast pace um a lot of different places different tracks and you know different people around the the nation where we've raced you know yeah From florida to maine and you know how it goes oh yeah you get all over the place you sure. just build a big big friend base really yeah you know, that's, that's exactly like right yep the family gets bigger you know it's it the family got a lot yep. bigger family but, gets um, bigger. with joey um, they're like, hey, why don't you go out and help Jeff, you know, and do what you got to do, whatever you can do to help him. And I did. You know, I got out there as much as I could, helped him with the car and got to know Jeff. Um, you know, Jeff and I are, are friends and have been friends over the years. I never really worked directly with him a whole lot, um, but I did with Joey. So at that point, once that car was done at Westies, they needed a place to keep it. Okay. So at that point, um, that's where the Hawksby's came in. So they said, all right, well, there's a local garage there that we want to bring our car to. And, you know, we'd really like to help have you help look after it. I'm like, okay. I really don't know a ton, but I mean, I'm get, I have pretty good mechanical knowledge, but when it comes to setup and stuff, that's, you know, when they came in, sure, that's what we did. Okay. You know, when they came in for the weekend. And we didn't race it a whole lot, but we did enough where 
you know, there was some weekly maintenance going on for a little bit. And, um, but here's this kid, um, that's there at that shop, little skinny little kid must've been hundred pounds, maybe soaking wet. Yeah. Um, that's what I meant to Hawksby's, you know, um, Joey and I obviously got to be pretty tight for quite a long time. Right. And, um, you know, he started racing after his father decided to, to retire and, you know, we did we did a, a bunch of stuff together, raced all over the place, and yep. um, then we started building cars together. We built four cars together, and um, and at that point, it was, you know, I had gotten married and, you know, had my first kid with Caleb, and, uh, you know, Caleb being my first, and um, kind of decided to make some changes and do some stuff on my own. Um, once that happened, uh, you know, we did... We built our first car out of our own shop in Fulton, which is where Walmart is now, um, right oh, in front of really? that. Oh, really? You know, I built the, the 89. Actually, that car's sitting here in my shop, too. Okay. Um, See, I remember yeah. it was black, right? Wasn't it? The... Yep. Yeah, it was okay. black. Yeah. Yep. It was black and yellow and red. Yep. Just like okay. Todd had always had, only I changed the base color from either yellow or red to or blue to the black. Yeah, his cars um, were always blue. If I remember before base color, and then it, you went to the black, one, which his cars were always blue base color no, before, they were, weren't they? They were red and yellow, and he had a bunch of wild okay. cars, really. You know, Will Hammond had always had um, had done his body work at that point, and Jeff okay. Lavery, and and uh, they came up with some pretty wild looking race cars for sure. You know, the the body being all different colors, and yeah, you know, they were definitely definitely pretty. Um, but anyway, Todd had decided that, you know, when I went off on my own, he's like, Hey, you know, I, and I had gotten to know Todd here or there a little bit and he kind of chased me down and said, Hey, what do you think about building your own, build your own first car? And I'm like, uh, okay. He goes, well, what do you think about doing? I'm like, well, I've always liked to do cantilever. I, I really think it's an interesting suspension and um, I want to do some work with that and see what it is. He's like, why don't you just do what you want? All right. So we built our first car, um, out of my own shop. Um, he helped get me the, the materials and, and realize when you build a race car, how much, how much equipment you need, right? Oh yeah. You don't, you don't just have a welder and a grinder. Like, I mean, they did, there was, there was a lot of guys that, build a race car with a grinder, a welder, and a, and a bandsaw, you know, and yeah. that works too. But um, to do things efficiently, we, we set up a race shop. I built a couple of chassis tables. They're, they're four by 12, um, you know, with six legs and, and you can level them so that everything is right and right. straight. And uh, so I had that and I ended up finding a Lays and a Bridgeport that I bought used. Oh, wow. That I still have today i mean i've got all the equipment you need to to build whatever you know nice but um yeah he he really helped me get set up and and uh we took off running from there um when we todd and i spent our spent two years together at that point um we had some decent runs not outstanding but we had a, a fourth in a classic our first year and our second year we didn't we didn't end up finishing our second year but um we did sit on the outside pole right? With when Greg Furlong had the pole at that point. That was when Joey built his first uh, car other than his own, you right, know? Right, right. Um, so 
uh, at that point, Todd and I decided to go our separate ways for a little while. He had other focus that he needed to, to, to put his focus into and, and, uh, and caught the eye of Doug Didero and, and, uh, we all know Jimmy Cronk who runs around. Oh yeah. Jimmy's um, the guy awesome. in the wheelchair, yeah, you know, he's yep. speedy, speedy Gonzalez. Speedy you know? Gonzalez. That's right. Ayatollah de Cronkola, we called him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, Jimmy and Doug approached me, and we ended up working together in, this was in 06, um, and built a car. I built a car. Um, but it was independent. And uh, we ended up getting a motor from Carson, Jeff Carson. Yep. And we put that baby together, and we had a hell of a time getting it running. But once we finally got it running, um, it was like running on five cylinders for Doug's qualifying. <laughs> it was awful, <laughs> right? He still qualified 24th. He got in the show. Um, if you remember um, uh, Charlie Schultz, his sure dad. Do. Yep. Um, uh, his dad came over and said, hey, I got a question for you. Do you know what your all your pop-offs are set at with your engine? And I'm like, actually, I don't. They were all set up for me, and they're not right. He goes, well, why don't you let me have a hold of them all, and I'll get you close. So I'm like, all right. Okay. And it was a, one of them weekends in 06. I ended, it was raining on and off. So we had a ton of time. So we got messing around and fired it up and got things and actually sounded like 110 times better after he he messed with the the barrel, the secondary, and the high speed, you know? Sure. So I'm like, great. So then we ended up getting a practice, and the thing actually ran pretty good. We were like, wow, we can actually do something with this. Um, you know, and Doug came all the way back from the back of the to the field to to right up front within the last 15 laps and and we put on started to put on a show and we broke a drive shaft yeah i remember <laughs> him dropping laps, out right at the end laps yeah. in the end he was Ooh. he was actually hunting down greg furlong for the for the win yeah and he was right there you know but um so at that point uh kind of just didn't do much in between uh, was it no i actually i think it was bob bond that approached me at that point and um, so I started working with Bob. I built Bob a car. Um, same same place, right out of the shop in Fulton. There, you know, twenty four by twenty four garage. Yep. Um, pretty pretty small, but we ended up making it happen. I built that car and uh, Bob Haynes's car at the time, which is now the car that uh, Jonathan McKennedy runs. Oh wow! Okay. Yep. Um, that's what he runs in Isma. He's won a championship or two with it in, in Isma. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I built those two cars, one right after the other, and worked with Bob for a little while, um, and then got back with Doug again in 08, and we all know that story well. Oh, um, man. Built built that car. Um, I built um, DJ Schulich's car also at that same time um, in 08. So none of us had raced all year long. It was Joe had, Gozik had one of my cars, um, and DJ's car was brand new. And the car I built for Doug was brand new. In 08, I built Doug's car in 30 days from straight frame rails to rolling out in the racetrack. And, you know, the worst part about that whole story was the the night before, while everybody was out, um, you know, running the Isma show and all that jazz, we were still getting ready. But we went to the, the county fire, the county barn, right in front of the, the fire barn out there in Scriba. And, uh, 
we didn't have a push truck because they were all at the racetrack. So oh. <laughs> uh, Davey Sorrell, who works at the Exxon, or it used to be the Exxon station that Doug Krause owns, you know, okay. right down there yep. on 4th uh, and third Bridge, Street. I think, or 3rd, yeah. Right on Bridge and 3rd yep. on the east side there. Well, we got the tow truck from there and strapped something onto it, and uh, we used that as a push truck. Well, the worst part of it is, is that we had uh, – um, we had, uh, it was standard. So when you popped the clutch and started to push the car off, the truck jumped over the tail, jumped oh. onto the tail, smashed a brand new tail, oh. smashed the fuel cell. This is on Saturday night of having to show up on Sunday morning for second round of qualifying That's, for Classic Weekend. See, I remember there was something, and I, I it, yeah. they, okay, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there was... It wasn't just um, double check nuts and bolts that night. It was tear a whole bunch of stuff apart wow. and fix and Rebuild build new bodywork. But wow! Oh my god! But um, that was one. We did, we did get a chance to fire the car up there, so we made sure we had no leaks, no, no issues there, and uh, uh, you know, it was an all nighter for Classic Weekend. Oof. You know, so there was a lot on that weekend. Um, but uh, when we showed up, uh, we showed up late. And it was eight thirty ish, and they were going out for qual or for um, practice. Yeah. So we sat outside the back pit gate entrance, and they wouldn't let us in. Hey, schedule is the schedule, and we didn't meet it. So it was our deal to yep. suffer the consequences, you know. Um. So they came to us first. We barely got the car unloaded, and they said, "Okay, you've got you got to put five laps on your tires, and that's it. That's all you get before you go out for qualifying." And Doug and I are looking at each other. He goes, well, I guess this is, it is what it is. You better get your wings set up. So, you know, the front wings and uh, see what we got here. Fired the car up, went right on the track. His first lap was a 17-1. The second lap was a 16-9. And then he went 316-7. And they were pissed. Oh, my God. There was people screaming. They thought we were cheating and this, that, and the other thing. And Doug is just an amazing driver. I mean, yeah, no, he really is. Nothing. You know, he's he was uh, he's certainly somebody that um, he's no matter what he's in, he's going to get it going. You know. Yeah. So um, so we came in. He goes, well, car's just a little tight, but because they said, well, after your after your first run here on your tires, you're the first out. So <laughs> this is how it's going to work. Thanks. So we had they gave us five minutes. And Doug said, well, the car's a little tight. And he told me where it was tight. So I made a, a small wing adjustment and, and a little stagger adjustment and sent him out. And he said a 16.5, which is like three-tenths faster than the pole was. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to start at 15th and, uh, that day. And uh, obviously, in 08, we, uh, he got up to, I think it was by lap 25, he was in the top five, you know. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, and just rode, rode, rode until we got to lap 160, and then it was time to go. Yeah. And he never he never looked back. Yeah. You know, and there was no question about that. And uh, the, the best part about that day was it wasn't just a, a win for us, but it was a, a one, two, three for our cars, you know. We had um, Joe Gozik and DJ Schulich also, you know. Joe finished second and DJ finished yeah. third. It was a hell of a hell of a way to come back to the racetrack. And, you know, after not having raced there in, in a year and a half or so, it was a lot of fun, you know? I mean, you look back and there was, man, there was a lot of hard work, but 
boy, was it fun. Well, you know, that kind of success that quick and. And you know the funny the funny part of something like that story is always that when you're in the moment, I don't think you think about it like that. You're just so busy no. celebrating and like, yeah, this is great. Like, holy cow, this happened, and we just won the classic. And yeah, and yep. then when you look back across the years, you realize the significance of the accomplishment. That well, okay, not only did we win, but we you know we podiumed out. I mean, it was. That's one of those, and and it's the same thing that I that I said about, you know, when Kempton Dates in the '77 Classic Dates ran out of fuel and Coneyham ends up winning. Well, in the moment, you know, if you're Kemp, you're you're just out of your mind, sick, right? Because you you just lost the classic with four laps to go because of fuel, and then you realize, well, you know what though. One of my cars still won, <laughs> you know. It's like yeah, exactly. you're, you're able to exactly. get a different perspective later after sort of the the yep. emotion of the moment kind of wears off. You realize what you accomplished, and that was, I mean, you just, you know, you didn't you didn't see that kind of thing happen unless you were Nolan Swift. I think Swifty was about the only one that could, you know, pretty much rebuild a race car, build a new race car, uh, you know. Classic Friday or Saturday and come out and you know, win on Sunday. Um, right. You know, other than that, you just didn't see that. And and that I remember that year, and that was just was like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? You know. Yeah. Um. But you're right. I think again, you look back across, you know, look back in history, and you know, Doug Didero has to be counted as one of the best drivers, pure, best pure talents that's ever set foot in a super modified at Oswego, because when you look at the cars that he drove early in his career, you know, starting with Ralph McLaughlin's, Ralph back, McLaughlin's yeah, car, yeah, with the, with the, the backup car and then to the, to the B as we used to call it, the main car. Um, yep. and then, you know, the, what he, what he did with Kemp Date's car, um, you know, in what was not even, I don't think a complete season. Um, maybe, maybe it was, maybe I won complete year. Um, but he, you know, he, he, he showed the ability to get speed out of a race car. And I think it took him a while to kind of refine that. And by the time you got him, I think he was pretty much there, you know, I mean, oh, he, yeah. and he knew the cars too, by then, um, you know, to the point where, um, you know, he, he knew what to do with the race car. And so to be able to work with somebody like that, at, especially at that point in your kind of your your arc as a as a builder um had to be uh a pretty amazing experience and i'm sure you learned a lot from him as well oh my god yeah yeah doug really doug really taught me a lot when it came to um learning what the driver wants you know what i mean yeah there was things that doug did in a race car that that not many other people seemed to do and he taught me a lot of what makes the race car really yeah. go around the racetrack you know, it's it's not just springs and shocks, but the feel that that you're looking for and yeah. how to get that feel. And um, you know, after after building the car for Doug, um, I had built the car for Johnny Benson. Now this is where this is where I really really learned a lot. Um, I built the car for Johnny Benson, and he flew me out to Berlin because at the time he owned Berlin Speedway oh, out yeah, in Michigan. Right. Yep. And um, he had the car all ready to go, um, all painted up pretty and 
um, getting ready for the ISMA show for the week. And uh, he's like, all right, let's do some testing. We got the okay from ISMA. And we did some some testing there. And uh, now that man, he challenged me. Now, there, that man has some experience in some race cars. Sure does. He would go out on the track, and he would fire up coming out of the pits, and he would run one complete lap and tell me exactly the change that I made and if he liked it or he didn't in one lap on that racetrack. And he'd come right back in, and he'd say, okay, I like this, or I didn't like this, or this is what that change did, and, you know, maybe we need to go this direction instead of that direction, or or this is why I like that, or, you know what I mean? There was things that wow. he could tell me, and I couldn't even pick up my tools and be ready for him to come in the next time before I had to get out whatever we needed to do the next time. I mean, there was literally, what is it, 17 seconds or, or no, not 17 seconds, like 13 seconds around that place. Yeah. You know, that was, that was an amazing time for me. I spent an entire day of testing with him and, you know, a couple sets of tires. And, you know, at one point I, um, Randy Sweet was there too. You know, we all know who Randy was. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Randy, colorful Randy character. was a hell of a racer. Yes, he was. Over the, yeah, over the years. And he was there running his late model. Okay. And uh, he was watching, of course. You know, he has pretty vested interest in that place and also in Super Modifieds, as he's always worked with Allegrasso. And, yeah. And I went over to him and I said, hey, what kind of time should we be running here? I mean, you're here all the time. And he goes, I don't want to hear a goddamn thing out of you. You know exactly <laughs> what you're doing. <laughs> You know, we were we were actually running a half a second faster than than the pole speed. Wow! So we were we were ripping. I mean, we were ripping. Um, we were having a good time. Um, so that was quite an experience. And and learning Johnny Benson, um, in his ways of doing things, coming from such a vast range of experiences from late models to cup cars to, you know at the time he was running the truck series. So yeah. he's been everywhere and done everything, you know, that guy has. So it was some really, really good experience for me to learn how to adjust by what somebody's really telling you, you know, and it's a mental challenge when he's expecting an answer. This is what it's doing. What do you need to do next? Yeah. You know, he might get a suggestion here or there, but you know, we played with shocks and roll centers and springs and, you know, wing angles and all sorts of stuff, you know. But um, we had a good time. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, then, so at, at that point, Ray was probably just about on the horizon, wasn't he? I mean. Yeah, Ray was Ray was right there on the horizon. Right after that year, yeah. um, I was actually, I had hurt my foot. In, uh, oh, I remember that. I don't that. remember exactly where it was. I hurt my foot. I remember but, that. Um, I was in. uh in PT at, um, you know, Romy Caruso's building there. Yeah. That mm-hmm. it has RJ Caruso. Yeah. Um, and Jason. Um, there was at the time it was Warner's physical therapy or whatever okay. it's called. And I was sitting there and um, Caleb was with me. He was doing PT with me. And, and I get this phone call, this 515 number. Like, who in the heck is this? Right. And it's Ray Graham. 
Okay. <laughs> He's like, uh, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm eh, doing a little pee Yeah, it's so like at the moment I'm hurting. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> honest, and honestly, I had never talked to Ray before that day in my life. That's funny. And right from there, we spent five years, and we got really tight. Um, five years together, or six years together, and did a lot of things. And he goes, you know, that was the question. He goes, I'm thinking about having you build me a car. What would you, what would you, uh, would you be interested in? Like, well, I guess there's no better time than now to, to answer that question. I guess, yeah, we could do that. And he says, all right, um, we'll get together and we'll get this baby on the road. So he brought me a car that uh, it was uh, the first four bar, four transfer bar car that was actually the 91 of Johnny Teresi. Right. Okay. Um, and he goes, here you go. He says, you need to make a race car out of this. I'm like, well, we don't want to build a new one. He goes, no, I want you to use this, and I want you to, you know, he goes, I don't care what you do. Just do something. He says, this car really doesn't work all that well. And, you know, it just, <laughs> he, he's like, we've all driven it. The Coney's driven it, and and uh, I've driven it, and Johnny's driven it. And there was a, there was a couple of people other than that, too, that I think they'd driven it. And yeah. They're like, this thing is unruly, you know? So, I cut it off behind the cage and I cut it off in front of the cage and started over. <laughs> so you basically built a new car. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole new car other than a cage, you know. But he said I had to use that cage, so I did. Oh, yeah, he didn't say yeah. how much of it you had to use. He just yeah, said... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the and the one of the big things was is that he wanted to race an Isma with it, so we did. Um, and I built a a new design wing. Um, actually at the time it was DJ Schulich was after me to build a, build a wing for him. And I did. And I also built the same for us. Um, I built, ended up building 16 of them babies. Oh, wow. The three element wing that you've seen on my cars and everybody has, um, sold a bunch of them to, um, Craig Reed. And there's still a few around Bobby Dawson bought one. Okay. Um, you know, everybody was running them out West there too, for a while. Um, but I put this one on the car that I had built there for Ray. And this is one of those nights where, um, things didn't really go as planned in a heat race for whatever reason. I think the car was a touch tight okay. and he was fighting for a top four spot to get his transfer spot for Isma. You know, you got to finish in your top four before you can finish or yeah. start in the top 12 as always. And the car was pretty good, but it was a little off and, uh, Ray was. Ray was one of those, man, he was one of those guys that he is not afraid to put the pedal down. I mean, <laughs> it is, it is all the way on the map with Ray, you know, yeah. and it was, I, I had such a blast working with him. We, you know, we, we had a great relationship and learned each other and, and, uh, had some, had some pretty damn good success too, you know, um, build a lot of cars together. But, well, uh, this particular night he had, uh, he was chasing Teddy Christopher, who was driving Clyde Booth's car. Okay. Um, and he ran up on Teddy Christopher because Ray had to come from the back of the pack. And it's, it's only a heat race because you don't have a lot of time. Right. And you know how fast-paced Isma is. It is hardcore all the way on the map, you know. And he rolled the outside of Teddy Christopher, and Teddy Christopher took him to the wall like three times to keep his spot. And Ray was mad. He came in off the track, and I, I think I've seen Ray pretty upset at different times, but this was one time where he was hot. 
and uh you know he told me what was going on with the car and and uh that he wasn't happy with teddy and uh he ended up having to start behind him in the feature and when they dropped the green flag it was over right there ray <laughs> went to the outside and he never lifted i think it took him we started 14th in the feature and by lap 10 he was in the lead wow he was absolutely gone. He passed he passed Pearly that night, going three wide through three and four. He didn't think it was possible. You know, it was probably, and Chris remembers this too, we talk about it periodically, about one of Chris's favorite races ever, you know. It was like, whoa, where did that come from? You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, I better get my ass moving now, you know. So, uh, yeah, Ray put on a clinic that night for a while, and then we ended up having um, – about 10 laps from the end of the race, um, we had a bunch of overflow um, because we ran motor in vacuum and the oil tank sat next to the car, uh, next to the driver, but just ahead of them. And it was starting to puke oil. It was, oh. it was just, there was just a little bit too much oil in there or whatever. And he ended up getting it on his shield and he couldn't steer the shit. Oh, so he man. slowed way, way, way down. He's still in the lead, but at the, the point of this started happening, he was 10 I'm going to say he's probably half a track ahead of second place, who at that point became Chris Purley, of course, right? If there's anybody that's going to take an ISMO ISMO win away from you, it's Chris Purley. Sure. You know, at that point, Chris was just knocking him down left and right, you know? So uh, Chris chased him down, and they had a hell of a run for the lead. Chris ended up beating him, but we finished second, and, you know, there was just a – there was an outstanding – one of those outstanding moments in 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 our years of building cars together it was just an amazing run, you know. But um, yeah, he was and, uh, uh, Ray was never I, Ray had no fear. No, 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 <laughs> there was no, no, no fear in that in that man. I remember no. him even in the limiteds. I mean, he was just no. you know he he was like you said it was it was flat yeah. to the floor and you know but he was a he he's I I say was I keep saying that. He was a great guy, as if he's not here anymore. He's a nice guy. He's a really oh, good God. guy. He's, I mean, he's you know. probably one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Yeah, really. and he's it's got like, a heart of gold. He's, you know, he's a family-oriented man. Um, most people see him as, you know, he's he's pretty tight-lipped, you know. So he comes off as he's he's very focused, and you know, he's not there for anybody else. He's there to go have a good time and race with his crew and and race with his team and, and yeah. run his guts out. That's what he does. He works hard. He's just he uh, he works hard. It's a Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing. You just never know that, you know, it's like when he puts the helmet on, it's a completely different, you know, presentation. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, and there are some guys who are like that. And, and sometimes, you know, other drivers are, are kind of more close to character. Who, who they are off the track is kind of how they drive on it. Um, and, and it's, Ray was always one of those guys that it's like, oh my gosh, what happens to him when he, you know, when he bolts the, uh, the helmet on and, um, you know, but, uh, he was always fun to watch. And I mean, I think, you know, most everybody listening to this show, um, you know, who's been around Oswego in more recent times, um, you know, knows the, the sort of, um, the, the sort of story of, of Ray and Cody and you had Joey Payne and you've had different, you know, different yep. drivers kind of, you know, Bobby Santos and, you know, different yep. ones in and around, um, you know, you, the, 
the sort of quote unquote rivalry between you and Joey in terms of the the manufacturer sort of thing, um, which, you know, always has been, I think, fun for everybody to kind of pay attention to and be a part of. And um, your cars have always had this sort of distinctive look about them. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're very mean looking. They're, mm-hmm. they're very, <laughs> you know, they're they're very they're very sort of transformerish. They're very, you know, when you look at sort yeah. of the 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 profile of them, they're they're very um, kind of uh, dark and brooding, and 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 just really, um, you know, like like little uh, Formula One cars or whatever, but not yeah. obviously the shape. Yours are you you have a distinctive. A sort of body style that you seem to like for your cars. How did you kind of develop that? Uh, man, I'll tell you what. If there's anything that I'm more interested in than super modified racing, it's Formula One. Okay. Um, I am. I follow it religiously. I follow everything that they do. Um, I've always followed everything that they do, um, from watching Ayrton Senna to you know to today's today's kids that are running, you know, between, and look at the new guys coming up, George Russell and, and Charles Leclerc and, and Max Verstappen. And, yeah. you know, I know Hamilton is an amazing, you know, he is an amazing driver, um, huge talent, but look what he's got for a race car. Well, you know, exactly. he's, he's got the best of the yeah. best of the best and nobody can beat him because, and even Valtteri, Botas, I mean, uh, Botas is in the same exact car and cannot beat Hamilton. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he'll squeak one out here or there, but Hamilton's right there. You know, it's, it's, Voltaire had to put his big boy pants on to beat Lewis Hamilton. Yes. But man, that's where, that's where my time, you know, that's where I've gotten a lot of my inspiration okay. from, from a Formula One style. Um, the look, you know, the arrow, the yeah. whatever you can think of to accentuate what we're doing. You know, some of the suspension systems that I've developed and designed and developed, you know, they're they're a lot closer to that than they are um, than they are with an Indy car, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we've everybody runs a or I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people run a push ride style front suspension and you know, I was running independent long before most um and then it got outlawed in 08 um that's when i built the the other car for doug yep but um when i originally built bob bond's car that was independent and the only other person running independent at that time was clyde you know uh push rod style and you know it worked wasn't uh wasn't joe's car that you built an independent at first as well it was yeah okay that was the car i built in 06 okay yeah yeah. Yep. And then when I started building the cars in 08, they had to be, or for 08, they had to be a solid, solid axle. axle yeah. Now, mm-hmm. the cars, none of them have, it's, it was never a, a straight axle. There's a million bends in it. They're a pain in the butt to build. You know, they, when you wreck a car with one of them things, it's, they're a big undertaking to build. So they're a pain in the butt. Um, you know, the car that's sitting here, that's uh, the car I built in 03 mm. for Todd. You know, we're going to probably put that together for as a 350, you know, and it's still got one of those axles in it. And I oh, look nice. at it and go, man, I hate them things. <laughs> okay, so there's a bit of news. So I need to yeah. now, now I need to sort of uh, um, hold up on the uh, on the, the story a little bit because I want to follow up on this. So 
you're going to put that together as a 350. Who will be the driver of that car? Well, that is, that remains to be seen at this point because ah. it was originally, um, you know, it was brought here because we're we're talking about putting Caleb in it, my son. Oh, your son. Um, okay. My son, he races carts. Um, oh. And then he's raced out behind the speedway, cool. and he's also raced at Weedsport and K&M. Nice. And there's a whole bunch of places, and he's done really well. He actually had, not a year ago, a year and a half, uh, two years ago, now hard to believe, but he had a he had a weekend at the fairgrounds in Syracuse where he won everything he was in except for uh, I think it was one heat race. You know, won three or four features or whatever it was. That just knocked him down. He was really showing a lot of talent, and and he has um, his knowledge has come a long way. He's you know he. He grew up in my backpack while I was running the Bridgeport. He was sitting in my backpack. So <laughs> there was times when I was building cart parts for Todd's car that that's where he was. Okay. You know, you got to figure at the time my wife was working, you know, who's yep. babysitting? Well, I'm not working. So I'm at home building a race car. That's what I was doing while I was off from my normal job. You okay. Know? So, you know, Caleb grew up in a race shop, you know, and Gracie did too. Um, not quite as much as Caleb, but definitely, uh, you know, those two have, they've seen it all, <laughs> to say the least. You sure. Know? They really have. So, and, uh, it was yeah. going to be your son, you said, but. Well, we haven't, um, no, we haven't. Um, oh. We haven't uh, put the full effort into that yet. It's okay. It's all okay. stripped and ready to start converting it at a point when he's ready. Let's put it that way. Nice. When he's ready to do that or or if we decide to sell the car, I mean, how how fitting would that be if you think about it? The first car that I built out of my own shop, my son was three years old at the time, tightening tires on the front of it, and I have pictures of him doing it at three or four years old with a, a wrench um, to actually becoming a driver of that same very same car. Oh, it'd you know, be amazing. I, see, years. I was actually thinking you were going to maybe say that Todd's son might be, might be. Nope. Okay. Well, Christopher doesn't have an interest in, in uh, racing. Well, that's um, probably good for Todd because. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Hand him yeah. a golf, golf club and say, Hey kid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> go make, go make me some money to race on. <laughs> Yeah, right. But yeah. That'd be cool, man, if that so happens. It's actually pretty fitting to it would be pretty fitting to have Caleb drive that car and it uh you know, it's quite a quite a deal, you know. It yeah. pulls on your heartstrings a little bit and For sure. You know, it's it it becomes an emotional run right there when you talk about putting him in a race car that you built first out of your own shop. Yeah, really. You know, and when he was a young man, very, very young man, you know, and he was now, um, where did that car go from What's Todd? That? Where did that car go? Like, with Todd, obviously, you had it with Todd, and then where did it go? And... It actually stayed with Todd the entire time. Oh, um, okay, okay. You know, it had never left. Okay. It was always Todd's. I see, um, okay. He had, after I got done working with it, um, he had some other guys that helped him, and um, Danny Sewell was one of those guys, and Danny had it for quite some time. And okay. They made a few changes to it and things, and... And uh, they had a few good runs with it, too, then, um, with Danny. And um, it's just at the point of it's came back to here because we were planning on doing a 350 with it. Gotcha. Um, okay. It's just it got stripped, and that's where it's sitting. I got gotcha. you. Know? Okay. 
Interesting. Yeah. And I know that obviously Todd came back this past year. Um, and, you know, first of all, I was thrilled to see him back. Um, right. Second of all, the car looked like a million dollars. That that blue on top of the, um, you know, the, the, the gray, as I like to call it, it's really like yep. a gray ghost sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, that blue, it was just, and third of all, um, I was amazed. I mean, I don't think Todd had ever gone that fast in his life as he went with And actually, that car, it was kind right? of funny. I we we laughed about that a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, Todd in the old car, Todd qualified at a sixteen eight. Yeah, with that car, it's the best he ever got out of it at that point. And uh, that's as fast as he ever had gone without a wing. Yeah. Um, and the first time in this baby, the one that's sitting in front of me right here. Um, sitting up on blocks ready to go yeah. waiting for racing season to come around, you know? And uh, the first time he sat his butt in this thing, you know, he, he wasn't even getting going and he was running 16, five with it. And he only turned three laps because we got there late and all we needed to do was really fire. And, and it's not like we put new tires on it or anything. He <laughs> just ran out in the track and, you know, turned a few laps. And of course, um, I, they didn't like the rear wing design that I had, the mount that I had designed for us. So I got a phone call that night and said, <laughs> change it or you're not racing. So <laughs> back to the drawing board on one of those things. So I did. And uh, then we had our classic run on, on, uh, in 2019 with it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, they didn't like my front wing either. So I ended up having to do something different there and ran home to get something else um, because they didn't like it. The, the speedway didn't like it, so um, I had what's called strikes on the bottom of it. Now they weren't in the rule book um, in any way, shape, or form, um, but because it was just one of those things, they just picked on it. So yeah. they said, "Nope, you can't run them," even though it says in the rule book. You know, it didn't say, or excuse me, it didn't say in the rule book that they were illegal. Um, I had them on there looking for a little bit more front grip and, um, they just said no. So I ended up having to go home and build a wing in a, in a couple of hours and came back to the track and we qualified 22nd, I think. And, and, uh, we started at the back and got jangled up with Timmy Snyder, but I think we had a pretty good car. It must've been nice to be back in the fray after, you know, especially with Todd, because, you know, he'd been away a while. Um, and, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and it seems like he's got the bug again because what you told me, um, you know, when we were talking last week, uh, there's a chance that we may see another car at some point. Yes? Uh, there's a there's a definite chance you're going to see another race car. Okay. Uh, the next, it'll be the next design. Um, it's, uh, I had built a few cars with Ray and... Um, when I built the car that Joey Payne drove, I also built another car. And Lou LeVay has this car now, but um, it's the real short, short car. The yeah. top of the roll cage, mm -hmm. it's it's down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's only a little bit below what this one is, but it's down there. It's more of a, a sleeker, lower center of gravity. Everything I could do to get it down, you know? Yeah. Some suspension changes, not major, but minor. Um, and that car was just an it was an awesome race car. Um, never really got a chance to work with it the way I would have liked to. Um, but that's what it is. Sometimes that happens. And uh, 
then it went to Clyde and he changed it and uh, it actually won a race afterwards. So um glad for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, is there a timetable for when we may see the next gen? Um, I know it's not extreme anymore. You, you changed the no, name, right? No, X Chassis X Chassis, yeah. Next yes. Gen X Chassis? Yeah, and this one's going to be called the X1 Eagle. Okay. We always have I like to name it. our cars, right? Yeah, I like um, it. When I first built the car that's sitting in front of me, the one that I built for Ray in 2012, Frankie Dahl, who is always has done graphics for me for years, same as JR. Um, yep. From PDG Graphics, and they the two of them were together forever. That's how I know them both. And and uh, Frankie would come to the shop, and when he walked into the shop the first time, and he looked at that this car sitting there, he goes, "I'm going to call that the UFO." <laughs> <laughs> this car was always called the UFO, un- unidentified flying object. You know, so he was. Uh, we always have always named our cars, you know, and. Just had a great time with it. But, um, yeah, the next one is going to be the X1 Eagle. Nice. Again, a little bit different design. Um, uh, Some suspension changes, some arrow changes, some, you know, weight placement changes, and we'll see how it goes. Will we see that potentially in 21, or would that be more for 22? What's that? I didn't hear you. I was going to say, would we see that in 21, or would that be more for 22? Um, we'll see how that goes here in the next couple of months. I've got, um, I'm just going to be home from work until about March. So mm, it's a good possibility we could get something done. Good. Well, it'd be fun. It's, uh, it's always fun to see new cars, new designs, uh, people trying new things. And obviously the box is smaller now to a degree. So, um, you know, it, it, it's always neat to, to see what, you know, what you guys do and, and, uh, it's like I said, it's great to have Todd back involved again and looking forward to see what he can do with a full season um to 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 come and race on a weekly basis. So um are there car are there plans to maybe build cars for anybody outside of Todd or is it just the uh the one chassis for the moment? Um at this moment it's only just the one. Okay. Um you know, life is a little different now than it used to be. Um you know, I have, I ended up over the last few years, I built my own house, um, the kids and I, oh, and, wow. uh, my girlfriend, Angela, um, God bless her. She, she puts up with me. Thank God for her. And, and, uh, you know, so I built my own house, um, and we just have gotten it to finally be functional as a shop too. Nice. You know, I, over the last year it's been functional, but I work a lot too. And, you know, so taking on a, a car for somebody is it's it's possible um but i'm not looking to go build 25 cars and yeah. or anything that joey does or whatever and and god bless him for what he does you know he's yep. part of what makes this this sport roll too you for know sure um i know he's a competitor but we've always been good friends and you know we had our split and but you know what? When we walk by each other in the pits we can stop and chat and have a good time together and reminisce about the old times and and still enjoy that, you know? So there's a lot there in common that we have, sure. and, you know, and now he's building for his son and, and good for him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh well, hopefully at some point, both your sons will be, uh, 
in competition. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing what the new car looks like, and uh, hope that you and Todd have a great season in 2021. And it's good to finally be able to kind of kick back and chat a little bit and uh, let uh, our audience hear more about your background. Because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that probably just don't realize all the other things that you had done, like prior to. Uh, getting started in the building business because you right. know, a lot of the fans just don't, you know, they don't have that intimate knowledge of, um, and I had no idea, honestly, that you'd started so young and worked with, uh, and even Ralph, I mean, Ralph, we grew up uh, kitty corner from each other, um, his family and mine. And so uh, that's fun that you got to spend some time with him and, uh, and, and uh, Smitty. Um, I mean, man, I, I there, there are some people there are some people that just become people that when they're not here anymore, you feel it. And I feel like Smitty's one of those people. I just, uh, yeah. you know, I'll tell you what he had, he was a, he was a great man. Yes. He, he had was. a heart of gold and, yep. you know, being one that has served our, our area as yep. a fireman and you know, how many lives has he saved over yep. the years and how much has he really done for yep. our area? You know, we are, we truly miss a man like that. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, we miss a lot of people, but, when somebody puts their life on the line for other people, you know, they are to be highly, highly respected. Yep. And, you know, I had a lot of respect for Smitty and for sure. just overall a great guy. And he just had you know? so much passion, too, for it. You know, he just, he yep. was, you know, you got him in the pit area and he was, you know, he was like a little kid. I mean, he just had that kind of passion and, and enjoyment yep. for it. And as we all you know, a lot of us do. And so, yeah, definitely, uh, uh, but this has been fun, man. Good time, and uh, glad to, to catch up with you for a little bit and, and certainly look forward yeah. to seeing what the first X1 Eagle turns out to be whenever you get it built. And, uh, um, you know, definitely, like I said, look forward to what you and Todd can, can do with a full season this year and two classics yeah. to, to, to run. Now, yeah. how does that, from, a, from a, like a team owner or a builder, I mean, does that I mean you're the crew chief, obviously, too. So, I mean, yep. does that – like you've got sort of this short run up to the first one, whereas usually you yeah. have a whole season. How does that kind of change your mindset about the beginning of the year? I actually have to think about it. We've had a year and a half to get prepared for this thing. So, you know, <laughs> well, there shouldn't be any, any yeah. you know, there shouldn't be any excuse at this point <laughs> that's as to why you're not too. ready, yeah. right? You know, so you got to figure, you know, with everybody having all this time, competition should be pretty good. Yeah, you know? you'd think. You'd I mean, think. it's always good. There's there's a lot of great racers that we race with, and you know we all have our rivalries and all that jazz. But um, all in all, what do we go there for? We have a passion. Everybody yep. has that same passion that's in that in that infield that they're there to race, race hard, and give it their all. You know, for sure. And it, you know, people get looked at differently because they're a little more aggressive or or whatever. It, you'll have that. For sure. Yeah. And it's okay, you know. Absolutely. But, uh, great times and good people and great racing, you know. Well, we'll get it all started here in a few short months, we hope. I'm going to knock some wood here in front of me. Yeah, um, that's a good idea. You knock know, some wood. It's, uh, you know, we just, we got to keep the faith, man. We got to keep the faith. So, uh, again, we wish you the best this year, Paul, and I'm sure we'll be uh, talking to you again down the road and uh, great to catch up with you. Yep. Awesome. Thank you very much. Is, have a great night. That is Paul Coloca. And this is, of course, the Inside Group Super Modified Podcast. We'll be back to uh, talk some more right after this. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. 
Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for... Welcome back to Inside Groove. Of course, this is episode 67. Now, who comes to mind... Those of you that have been going to Oswego long enough, who comes to mind as being perhaps the most famous, or shall I say infamous, number 67 in Speedway history? I'm sure there were probably more than I know about, but there's only one that comes to mind. This is the Rapid Ralph Denson episode, and I'm thankful that I got this far without totally destroying it. Uh, <laughs> uh, gosh, man, I remember, um, I don't remember Ralph um, in the earlier days, but I remember Ralph Denson third, and I believe that he drove one of Ralph McLaughlin's cars for a little bit, and I don't know if maybe he might also have run a, a limited super at some point. Um, but I just remember seeing pictures of uh, poor old Ralph with that 67 car that he just really literally destroyed. Um, and it's it just, uh, I, when I saw the 67, that was the first thing I thought about. Now, the, the other 67 that comes to mind for me is when, back in uh, late 70s, early 80s. Ronnie Wallace, I think actually Jim Groves, had bought the Nolan Swift car for Ron Gapsky. And then Ronnie Wallace drove it. And then it became the 67. And Ron Jr. took it out and unfortunately had a bout with the wall in his first time in the car. And then Ron Madison ran it. And Ronnie ran a classic with it in I remember that he qualified seventh. I don't remember exactly what year. I'm going to say it must have been probably 80, 81, somewhere in there. Um, And I don't think he finished that high. I think he finished back in the teens, maybe. But I remember him qualifying seventh with it. And it was, I just remember how surprised everybody was with that time because i think it was as fast as the car had ever gone um and ron really ronnie madison did a nice job with it um and and ran it a a few other times too i think and that's the only other 67 besides ralph denson that i remember and i was trying to think about it seemed to me there was a limited super a small block sbs car that that carried that number as well. And I'm trying to think who that might've been. Um, I want to say, could it have been Tyler Schulich? I don't remember what number he first ran when he started driving the cars that, that he did in the, um, in the small block class, but I'm thinking maybe one of them might've been 67. I'm not sure. Again, I, I, um, I'm trying to make my brain work here, but those would be the only ones I could think of, but I just could not. As soon as I saw the show number, that's the first 
when I see 67, poor Ralph, the first thing I think of is that picture of that poor destroyed race car. Ugh. Um, okay, so uh, if you've got any other 67s, feel free to drop them in the comments. Um, and here's the main topic of this uh, final <laughs> segment for tonight. Um, so I was I was thinking about over the holidays, how could I come up with something? I mean, I'd like to think that the shows are all so great that you all talk about the guests every week, and, and I know that happens sometimes, but not all the time. Um, but I wanted something that we could sort of have some fun with after the show's over with and kind of carry on in the comments and, and initiate some discussion. And I said, well, how can I put something together that, that isn't controversial or isn't really, you know, it is just something that would be fun to, to think about and talk about that everybody would kind of have an opinion on. So what I've decided is that we're, we're going to do something every week. We're going to call it something to think about. Um, for the lack of a better word, I was going to use hot topic. And I think I mentioned that in the opening segment, but I think there are probably going to be many hotter topics than these innocuous questions. But, um, but again, something that we could just debate between each other and have some fun with. Um, and so as I was thinking about what would that kind of look like, I happened to look through an old modified sportsman program from, I don't know, I'm going to guess somewhere, and I, I don't remember, I, I, I don't have it handy, I should have grabbed it before I sat down to to do this uh, show, but um, I'm going to say it was sometime between 72 and 74, and I was just noticing all of the different body styles that we had back then in the modified class, and it was it just got me to thinking, what was my favorite modified body style? And, you know, again, that book, um, it, it showed so many different examples of the very variations on body styles back then that, um, you know, I, 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 you could go all over the place. I mean, um, you had Pintos, you had coaches still, you had Coops. You had uh, Corvairs, you had Monzas, you had Mustangs, you had, gosh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but my favorite, I think what I've decided is my favorite body style ever for a modified sportsman car was the Gremlin. I just loved the Gremlin bodies. Um and so that got me to thinking, well, what about super modifieds? So many different styles of super, so many different looks, so many different bodies, so many different liveries, so many different, um, especially, again, back in the day, not so much now. The bodies are all pretty similar. Um, and there's not quite as much, I mean, there are still some really sharp looking cars, but I just find that there's there's less it's kind of there's so many that are just black or they're white and they have some graphics on them but it's they're they're kind of plain now for the most part there are some exceptions um but i think it's just 
it's harder, I think, to come up with a wild paint job for a modern car just because of the way the body is, is shaped now. There's not as much body. It's hard to kind of make something flow from front to back, like, for example, the the old fruit stripe gum look that Nolan Swift had in 1974. Um, you know, I just think it's it's harder today, I, I, I guess. Um, the bodies are more broken up now. Um, and so uh, here's the question. And, and in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll even, I'll throw them both out there. For those of you that, that are older, um, have been around a while, and this, again, something to think about, and feel free, in fact, I wish you would, comment in the comments box um, on the Inside Groove podcast page, Facebook page, just where, the sh- where we post the show, just comment underneath it. Two questions this week, I guess. What was your favorite modified body style from back in the day? And feel free to post pictures, too. I mean, again, the idea of this is I want to get people posting and talking and, you know, going back and forth. Let's get a thread going here and have some fun with this. So feel free to post pictures if you want. Um, favorite modified body style and favorite all-time super modified body style, body look. Um, not necessarily, for example, your favorite car or your favorite driver. I just want to know your favorite look, all-time favorite super modified look um, in terms of body shape or uniqueness, whatever. Um, and again, please feel free to post pictures if you have them. Um, let's have some fun with this. I just thought that would be a nice way to kind of each week we'll come up with something. Um, if any of you have a topic like this that you think would fit this segment, uh, all you got to do is just go to the Inside Groove podcast Facebook page and just hit the message button and just send me a message. Go straight to me um, and put the question in there. And if, if we like it, we'll use it. Um, and uh, it's it, it, I want to make this kind of interactive. So again, um, let's see how many different answers we can get. Favorite modified sportsman body style of all time and favorite super modified look of all time. Body shape, color, whatever. Um, Again, not to say necessarily your favorite driver or even favorite car per se, just favorite look. Um, And let's see what you guys come up with. So that is it. That's all I've got for this first show. We... Uh, we'll get into more newsy stuff as uh, we start getting back into um, the rhythm here and uh, looking forward to, I do not think I will have a show this next week, probably be the following week. So it'll be the first week in February. Um, and I promise you, as I said, we're going to, we're going to make some things happen here as we get into March, April, May, those months. Um, you'll, you'll start understanding why, um, I'm so kind of micro focused right now on certain things, um, for the betterment of everything I'm doing. So, um, thank the world of you guys and gals and, and thank you so much for, uh, tuning in to this first show of season three. And again, I want to say, um, a special, uh, 
acknowledgement and um, prayer for Terry Strong as she continues um, to, uh, to to fight her medical challenges uh, and to Pat and the family as well. Uh, I'm thinking about all of you. Love you guys. Um, praying for you every single day by name. And we hope that all of you have a great week. Until the next episode, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Inside Groove. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.